Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Brandon Marcello, National College Football reporter for 247 Sports, joins us on 365 Sports. Paul Craig, I'm David Smoke. Brandon, I went to go look at your Twitter feed, and, and I see where one of what you put up is what we have talked about a little bit today about Texas after surviving K-State, are they somewhat blocked out with what's in front of them? And that's not, you know, all those teams aren't going to win because they got to play each other. But is there a concern, you think, if UT was to win out, they could get blocked out? It's possible. You know, you got to see, obviously, what happens all across the country. You need to see a undefeated team come out of the Big Ten. Uh, you need to see uh, Alabama run the table and beat Georgia in the SEC championship. And you need a one-loss Pac-12 champion. And with that being Washington and Oregon in a rematch, I think there's a possibility there. Um, yeah, Texas has the head-to-head against Alabama, but Texas' schedule's weaker. Alabama's schedule will be much tougher by the end of the year, having Georgia on that schedule, beating a top-five, top-two team probably in Georgia at that time. And Texas just wouldn't necessarily have that resume. And, of course, teams aren't the same at the end of the season as they are early in the season, like Texas was when they went into Tuscaloosa in week two. And, um, listen, that's a very, very high-flung hypothetical out there, but I, I think it's one that's worth, worth discussing here if uh, you know these teams continue to win, including Texas. Brandon, are you um, – I don't know what your level of surprise would be, but Alabama was vulnerable – and still is, in a way that they haven't been, are you a little bit shocked that no one, since everybody realized that, has taken advantage of that? Not necessarily. I have, you know, I don't think we talk enough about how, like, Ole Miss just didn't have really any shot at beating Alabama this year, despite this maybe being the best opportunity to do so. Um, that defense is still not great in the back end for Alabama. I don't care what anybody says. We saw it again against LSU. You get a really great quarterback against them. You're going to be able to score some points. And I, I think Carson Beck's a great quarterback at Georgia. It's just that Alabama's schedule here the rest of the way is not really going to challenge them all that much. I do think they, they have improved offensively. Defensively, they are what they are. They've got some good pass rushers, but they're not necessarily elite on the back end. And, and that, that costs them in some matchups. So not all teams can take advantage of that. I thought Ole Miss was going to. I thought it was a perfect matchup for Ole Miss to take advantage of that with their passing game, but couldn't get it done. 
Brandon, what do you think of just the resurgence of the SEC East and, and the fact that you've got some interesting matchups that do involve Georgia but don't necessarily involve Georgia, like Tennessee-Missouri coming up this weekend. Obviously, the Zoo with the upset bid last week against the Dogs. Just your thoughts on, on that side of the of the aisle in the SEC getting a little bit of shine this year? Yeah, I think the SEC East is – I actually don't think it's all that strong. I think that the surprise is that it's Mizzou that's kind of – taken over that spot maybe even in front of Tennessee but has certainly kind of taken a step ahead of of Kentucky um I still don't think Kentucky is really all that great this year let alone um you know obviously a contender in the SEC East but Kentucky's got some weaknesses there Devin Leary hasn't been as good as I thought he would be this year in that offense um and Florida's just been an absolute disaster this season some coaching malpractice happening there in games I was there for the opener against Utah and Utah and, you know, you had 12 men on the field at crucial, crucial junctures. And then of course you even look this past week against Arkansas in which they lost at home. First time Arkansas has ever went into the swamp and beat them. Yeah. They had a bunch of substitution penalties in that game. And that's coaching. That's not necessarily on the players. And that's, um, that's a bad sign for that program. And there's going to be some heat on Billy Napier and co going into this off season. Brandon, uh, the Michigan thing, the latest today now is that other schools were sharing information with Purdue and Ohio State, Rutgers, whoever else. Is this Michigan's response to protect themselves in a way or what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, that's, yeah. that's all I have I, to say. I have not been getting involved in the reporting of this because it's fun. He said, she said stuff. And I'm not saying any of it's not true. Right. But here's the, here's, the, here's the truth of the matter. Coaches share information all the time, whether it's signs or not. It's just a matter of where do you broke NCAA rules, which is you can't do it in person when you're not playing that team, in-person scouting and all that stuff. There's obviously some uh, maneuvering out there, even in the media. There's always a motive behind a source speaking on something, right? Um, and, and certain things coming out when they do. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not saying that or anything, but – it is becoming, uh, I think, much easier in the, in the long run here. It's becoming much easier to see the possibility of Michigan not being severely punished in this in the long term. And, and why do I say that? Because there's been more and more stories that have come out through reporting about Connor Stallion that make him look like a crazy message board poster who had a dream job at Michigan, where it's this 500, 600 page manifesto or front office sports digging through court records today and him almost being like a, uh, a, a recluse in his neighborhood at a house he bought. And now he had vacuum cleaners out on the front front lawn and the HOA in his neighborhood got on to him a little bit and they got taken to court. And then like he gave a statement of some sort saying that he thinks that, that the person who was taking him to court or whatever was a Michigan State fan just out of this world weird everybody's out to get me type stuff and it's um I think it's becoming a little bit easier for Michigan to isolate this guy potentially and say hey yeah he was giving us information but we didn't ask any questions about how he was getting it we didn't know he's going out to these these links or whatever but in the end um it's the it's the compounding of factors here with Jim Harbaugh, the previous suspension, the lines, the NCAA, the hamburger stuff, all that thing, all that stuff. 
but the, the things that are coming out today, I think are more or less, you know, we do know for a fact that Michigan is going to present this evidence or whatever that Rutgers and Ohio state was apparently sharing information for the big 10 title game or whatever for signs and signals. But again, is that illegal? Not necessarily because again, I'll say this across college football. And a lot of us have been saying this for years. Other coaches share information all the time among coaching staffs to help them out. Um, It's just, just how it's always been. Yeah. I, the, you know, and the Big Ten doesn't have a clause that uh, allows you to directly punish the coach like the NCAA does, and we know how fast they move. So Michigan, anything that happens this year, they can delay long enough. And it does appear that Jim Harbaugh did l- luck into, you know, the crazy obsessed fan. And hmm. I, I do believe that there are some of that where coaches just go, I'm not going to ask because I don't want to know. But I do, I do find it hard to believe that nobody went like, well, how is yeah. he this good at this? You should – I mean, the coach knows better that he should ask, but he still doesn't ask. So mm-hmm. now the the whole point is trying to prove your innocence by how dumb you are. Yeah. Even though you're not dumb. You have to prove – you have to prove that you're dumb when you know you're not dumb. But, hey, it's college football. That's what's so great about it. But I, I, I do think that Harbaugh will be punished by the Big Ten I, I, of some sort. They will have to do something here shortly in the short term. But I think long term again – I don't necessarily think this is something that's going to sink Michigan or, or take any of their wins or championships away. Brandon, you were uh, in Stillwater for the last bedlam for the foreseeable future. Big win for Oklahoma State. Ollie Gordon continues to be just a tremendous story this season with the tear that he's on. Uh, your thoughts on what you saw, the atmosphere, the, the result itself, and, and you know your thoughts on, on the Sooners and Cowboys now moving forward here over the last month of the season. Yeah, fantastic atmosphere. Um, I've been to two Bedlam. Both of them are Oklahoma State wins, so I've seen like uh, 20% of Oklahoma State wins <laughs> right. in that <laughs> rivalry. And, uh, man, it, it was a heck of an atmosphere, a heck of a game. It wasn't a pretty game. Turnovers, some, some bad decisions on fourth down. But, man, what a turnaround Oklahoma State's had this year. I mean, got blown out at home by South Alabama. To even be competitive against OU this year, considering that result, is amazing. And, I think Ollie Gordon has proven himself to be like a top five Heisman Trophy contender this year. I think that he's in that group uh, after these performances he's had. And um, listen, if Mike Gundy somehow, and I don't say somehow, but their remaining schedule, I believe, their last three games are against Big 12 newcomers. And we all know how bad they are this season. Mm-hmm. If they went out and go to the Big 12 championship game and then somehow beat Texas or, or even OU in the Big 12 championship game, how do you not vote Mike Gundy as coach of the year in, in the country, considering where they were and, and where they're going to be potentially? Brandon, of the top five teams that are undefeated, who do you feel is the absolute most vulnerable and could wind up on the outside looking into the CFP? Um, Ohio State, because I think Michigan's going to uh, beat them once again this year. Um, uh, I, I, I'm trying to think. You know, Florida State, yeah. It seems like Florida State just likes to play with its food a lot, and at some point that's gonna it's gonna bite them, you would think. But the ACC is not necessarily as stronger, one of the stronger conferences this year. I mean, they played with their food this past week. Um, once again, we saw them against Boston College when they almost probably maybe should have lost that game. Pitt was in a low scoring game until they kind of turned it back on Florida State this weekend. 
But to me, it's Ohio State because uh, I, I think Michigan's going to take him down. And, and as much, real quick here, as much as everybody keeps talking about, you know, Michigan, at some point all this noise around them about the sign stealing stuff's going to, to, to hurt them. It's going to get their attention away from football. No, it's not. They, you know, Harbaugh has, like, fed off of controversy like this the last two years to focus his team. If anything, they're going to be even more hyper-focused. And J.J. McCarthy, look at his numbers and what they've been doing over these last several weeks. They just they just get better week to week. Brandon, how do you separate the, the four to six names that are right now? And I have a vote, and I know you do too, a Heisman vote on, on with McCarthy and Penix and Nix, uh, among others. Uh, your thoughts about the Heisman right now? I think Penix is one. I think Nix is two. Um, and beyond that, I think it's kind of just a jumbled mess. Um I would, though, if I was a, a guy betting, and I don't even know what the odds are, I would put some money on McCarthy because he's got the opportunity with all these really tough, amazing games, including this week, coming up to where it's going to be, if he puts up big numbers, he's going to skyrocket up the Heisman charts. And if they go undefeated, he's going to be in New York City and could potentially win it because, remember, <clears throat> Washington has been struggling a little bit, and if they end up picking up a loss here, that's going to hurt Penix. I think he dropped down to like third or something like that. And Nick's, um, I think he's got to keep winning and winning big and putting up huge numbers. Whereas McCarthy, if he just continues to do what he does, but does it in these big games coming up, maybe McCarthy could end up walking out of New York city in December with the Heisman trophy. Do you feel like there'll be any backlash because of what Michigan's dealing with when it comes to the Heisman voting? Uh, there, I'm sure there will be a few, you know, there's what, 500 something voters out there. I'm sure there's a few out there that would say so, but again, what he's doing, um, is, has been stellar. He's still got to go out there and make decisions on the field. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just don't think that the sign stealing should necessarily affect any individual player on that team when it comes, comes awards time. I mean, we talk about, for example, their offensive line last year at Michigan, last two years, right? They won the Joe Moore Award. You still got to block guys up front one on one. It isn't like, well, I know this guy's going to come, he's going to stunt here, and that's going to, if I didn't know that, he would get by me. No, you still got to block guys. And that's talent, and that's coaching. And they've been winning the Joe Moore Award up front. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not saying the sign stealing stuff's been blown up. I mean, if something's illegal happening, they do need to be punished and all that. But, you know, they're. There are a lot of sides to this thing, and I'm just mm -hmm. saying, again, sign stealing and stuff that's been going on forever, it's just a matter of how you're doing it. And, again, it's going to be about trying to prove certain things. And then also Michigan itself saying, hey, we're coming after you, NCAA and Big Ten, to show you that we didn't know exactly how this guy was doing this and what you're doing here. I just think in the end there's going to be something met in the middle. And the to me – I think the punishment's just long term is just not going to be huge, and it's also I think the attention we're sucking the attention away out of what's been Absolutely. really this past week. I, this past week was I think the best week we've had at college football, and everybody keeps focusing on the sign stealing crap. And I'm not saying I sit here and I don't care about it completely. I do care about it, but man, we are focusing like 85 percent of our attention on it, and it just doesn't deserve that much attention that much. Brandon, is Jimbo Fisher the coach at Texas A&M in 2024? Oh, my gosh. I'd say flip a coin at this point, guys. Um, and, and again, of course, it, it depends on how he finishes out this year, this season. But 
man, the, the, the returns are continue to diminish. Um, and um, uh, lose another couple of games here. Uh, flip the coin, guys. I think there's going to be enough pressure there. I mean, the, the boosters and everybody there have been talking for the last few weeks about the potential of doing things. And um, it's just a matter of, all right, do we, do we pull the trigger? Do we get this done and, and pay all that money? Again, I, it's monopoly money at this point. It's just a matter of do you feel like you have someone in line that could uh, get this thing over the hump. But um, um, we'll see. It's, it's, it certainly doesn't seem to be working out. I just don't see a team there that's really improving week to week. Um, and obviously beating Ole Miss this past week would have been a huge step forward. But, again, it was like the same old crap, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And near the end of that game. It just seems like everything's on repeat. It's a record that just keeps skipping on the track. Yep, it does. Uh, Brandon, as always, we appreciate you being on the show. Great knowledge, insight. Thank you very much for all of you do, covering college football and being a part of the show when you can. Thank you. All right, thanks, guys. Yep, that's Brandon Marcello. does a great job covering college football for 247 Sports. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.